Welcome to Shortcut to Sunday. I'm Ben. And I'm Bruce. And this is your podcast for the fourth Sunday of Easter, April 25th, 2021. And we are coming to you not live on behalf of Holy Family Episcopal Church in Fishers, Indiana. Bruce, how are you? I'm doing fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fourth Sunday of Easter, we've got uh, seven total, and then Pentecost, right? Is that yeah. is that the that, that the deal? Yeah, um, it's you know, so it feels like summer after that. So, uh, I mean, let's let's talk real briefly about the. the I mean, I think some people that, that uh, don't necessarily realize that Easter is, might be a, a whole season, um, right? Uh, Easter to many of us is uh, Sunday and part of holy week right so yeah. what's once the... you eat the ears off the bunny it's over right 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 so hopefully I... chocolate yeah so so <laughs> what is the what, what's the and maybe i should have done this in the you know in the probably the second sunday of easter what's the what's the kind of vibe what's the feel for for easter what are what what is uh what are we is the general season celebrating uh um um being mindful of like what's the what, what are we doing during the season well, in the season of Easter, we all of the readings and the collects, the prayer for the Sunday, focus around what does Jesus mean to us now that Jesus is resurrected. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, you know, up up until now, it's been as Jesus walked the earth <clears throat> as a full fledged human being. Most of the readings since have focused on what does it mean for Jesus to be resurrected. This mm-hmm. week's a little different because it's a speech. The gospel reading is a speech that Jesus made uh, before he was arrested. Oh, okay. Uh, but it still tells us about, in a sense, what he was planning <laughs> okay. in terms of what his relationship with the people would be. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so essentially we're, we're recognizing the, as a group, the gravity of, the nature of what just happened and kind of maybe staying in this moment for a while longer. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm diving a little deeper into it. I mean, it, it's a pretty important. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's the core of the Christian faith. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, is that Jesus was resurrected. So maybe taking, you know, a couple of, a couple of weeks, uh, <laughs> seven to be exact, to kind of ponder the full nature of this mind-blowing thing that has occurred, um, might make some sense. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, and then, and then we get into the season after Pentecost, which is uh, it, uh, we'll get into when we get there, but seems a little bit more nebulous uh, as to what <laughs> we're necessarily doing. Yeah, it's a little bit undefined between. <laughs> The end of the Easter season and the beginning of Advent. Um, it's the miscellaneous. It's the miscellaneous season. Ponder this. Ponder that. <laughs> well, know. usually we're we're going through at least the Gospel, if not also the Epistle, verse by verse. Mm, okay. Okay. And so if if we're paying attention, and it's we, more of a group by Bible we, I mean study, the, pre- then. the preachers, <laughs> not we're... not necessarily persons just sitting there going, "What's happening?" Um, but if the preacher pays attention, he or she can really build on the narrative of mm-hmm. and this. This year will be the Gospel of Mark. Of okay, remember mm-hmm. last week they were doing this. Well, we had that non cliffhanger, and here's where it picks up again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's really, like I said, it's, it's more of a congregational book study then. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's not a bad way to put it. Yeah, I like that. I like that. 
Um, okay, well then, uh, before we get into those uh, readings, as we ponder the mind-blowing nature of Christ's resurrection and what that means for us today, uh, spoiler alert, uh, I'm not entirely convinced that we fully figured it all out yet. Uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> still still things to ponder. Um, uh, but uh, let, me, let me see if I can stump you as to our person of the day. Bruce, your person today... Uh, Sounds as though he could come from a Game of Thrones or Harry Potter based story on, based on his name alone. So uh, your character, your person's name is John Stark Ravenscroft. Oh, that is a great name, right? Ravenscroft. And, and because you gave me those little tweaks of course now it sounds familiar but i could be thinking of the third butler in the third eighth right. scene of the second movie <laughs> right 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 yeah actually that's the uh downton abbey character from right <laughs> <laughs> fooled you <laughs> um yeah uh yeah he he might sound familiar uh, would would you have a guess as to where he is from give me give me a century uh, born 1772, died 1830. I will say Scotland. You would be wrong. Virginia. Uh, of all. Really? Uh, yeah, Virginia. See, we have cool sounding uh, named people. Okay, uh, where was he born? Uh, Virginia. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was totally wrong. And, and, and spent his... To a Welsh family, perhaps? <laughs> I, I must admit, it doesn't or say. Scottish. Uh, it doesn't say, but he did spend uh, the, the. It seems the majority, if not the entirety, of his life in the Virginia, North Carolina area. Okay. Um, so, in this instance, I am going to read his entry word for word because I very much enjoyed aspects of it, and we'll come back and, and, and kind of focus on it. So here it goes: Bishop and High Churchman. He was born in Blandford. Uh, in Prince George <laughs> County, Maryland, uh, Ravenscroft studied law at the College of William and Mary, but he never practiced law. He settled in Lunenburg County, Virginia, where for 18 years he exhibited no interest in religion. Around, <laughs> <laughs> right? Around 1810, he had a conversion experience, joined uh, the Republican Methodists, and became a lay preacher. After a short while, he was confirmed in the Episcopal Church. In 1817, Ravenscroft became the rector of St. James Church, Mecklenburg County, for uh, some months before his ordination. He was ordained deacon in 1817, priest later on that year. He was consecrated the first bishop of North Carolina in, on May 22, 1823. While he was bishop, he served as rector of Christ Church Raleigh and then as rector of St. John's Church, Williamsboro. He was a high churchman in the tradition of Bishop John Henry Hobart. He held yeah. a high view of episcopacy and apostolic succession. He apostolic, but yeah. Apostolic. I said that wrong. You're right. Yeah, you made it sound like a heresy. <laughs> <laughs> he insisted uh, on strict adherence to the liturgy and offices of the BCP. At times, he could be brusque and blunt. Some called him mad jack and he died Whoa! right <laughs> and he died in raleigh <laughs> that that's his entry <laughs> so there's so much going on here in this definition uh that i have to spend uh, just a just a hair 
yeah. on it. Um, uh, 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 studied law at, at College of William and Mary, but never practiced law. Uh, therefore, I believe him to be a very smart man. Um, uh, I remember you work for lawyers. I, I do work for lawyers. I also studied a little bit of law in college and will never practice law. So, and many of the lawyers that I meet say that that's a very smart decision. Um, uh, but I find it interesting, uh, that he, so he settled in Lunenburg County, Virginia in, in, uh, um, uh, there with no, uh, interest in religion for 18 years, which implies not like move there as a child, but like for 18 years in his adult life. Yeah. Uh, that's what I was getting from that. Yeah. No interest at all. Uh, but then had a conversion experience and joined the Republican Methodists. So that's a, that's a group of people that I'm not very familiar with, uh, uh, their, um, their, their, their general existence and what that necessarily means. Uh, in the terms of 1810 groups of if religious thought. it That was during a time in um, the eastern United States where there was a huge uh, movement of revivalism. Mm. And within the Episcopal Church, it was led by people who called themselves and in, in part, I think it, it started as an insult, but I'm not completely sure of that, who called themselves Methodists because there was a certain method that they felt was um, going to renew people's spirits and renew the church. Mm -hmm. And they were in the Episcopal Church for quite a while until finally they did break off and form the Methodist Church as we know it today. But anyway, they did the, the early Methodists did do a lot to... Um, I think what the term they used was awake people to the presence of God. Hmm. And so it did help quite a few Episcopal churches grow and gain new leadership like this guy. Hmm. Uh, I mean, uh, so, so then if he had a conversion experience with the Methodists. But um, they weren't separate. Oh, it, okay. was, it was a movement, but it was not yet a denomination. Oh, okay. Okay. And so people from various denominations would come to their events and then on Sunday go back to their home parish. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So uh it so thereby the implication being he was maybe attending the Episcopal Church or found the Episcopal Church after attending one of these yeah. um 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 uh, Republican Methodist uh, uh events. Right. And um then became kind of a, a went down the path that uh, uh, many many do uh, um, um, becomes a deacon uh, gets involved as a lay so leader. How, how old was he when he was ordained? Uh, let's see here. Uh, ordained in eighteen seventeen. That would be uh, fifty six. Yeah, so at that, you know, think of lifespans in that era. That was a late life of vocation. Oh, no, 46, 46. Oh, no, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> no, even that, even 46 would be pretty late in one's professional mm -hmm. years. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So he was ordained at 46, and how old was he when he died? Uh, let's see here. Uh, he died uh, only 13 years later. Yeah, um, so... Yeah, and that probably was a fairly average lifespan, I'd yeah. say, off the top of my head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, uh, um, kind of, kind of an interesting 
Um, what was his nickname? Mad Jack. That's what I thought, but I want to make sure I wasn't giving him a worse one. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, so, uh, re- real quick, let me ask though about. Uh, I mean, strict adherence to the liturgy and offices of the Book of Common Prayer. I I totally understand that. Holding a high view of episcopacy and apostolist uh, apostolic succession. <laughs> apostolic succession. <laughs> I really do want to make it a heresy. Um, yeah. <laughs> Um, uh, what does that, what do those words mean? The episcopacy is the office of the bishop, mm-hmm. the, the role of the bishop. And so in other words, he felt that he should have a whole lot of authority mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. particularly his priests and deacons may not have thought he should have had. Mm-hmm. And that the, the source of that authority was apostolic succession, which is, the, the belief that my ordination as a priest uh, goes back to the apostles. Gotcha. And we have various, um, very strictly enforced rules about how many clergy have to be participating in ordination to make sure apostolic succession continues. That mm. there's a redundancy just in case one of us comes out of a broken line the person who's being ordained will be part of the true line. Interesting. Interesting. And there are um, other, and there are Protestant denominations that intentionally do not allow that hmm. um, as part of their self-definition of not being <clears throat> like those crazy Episcopalians or Romans or Greek Orthodox and such. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I think the final, the final thing that I, that, that struck me about him, I, I, I like, uh, a part of me, I should say, likes people described like this being uh, an old an old man, brusque and blunt. Uh, yeah. uh, there's something refreshing about like an unbending personality. Um, uh, it's it's a it can be I'm sure irritating at times, which is one of the reasons <laughs> why he got a nickname called Mad Jack. Yeah, but. There's there's something I find super fascinating about somebody who's like, nope, that's stupid and you're an idiot. <laughs> Especially if it's in someone else's diocese. <laughs> right, right. right. Um, uh, which, which I think in a way, his whole story, his whole vibe that he's got going on in this short snippet that we've reduced his entire life to um, uh, is just chock full of uh, of of the example of it takes all kinds, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's, well, and it's all I'd kinds love of to, and you know, again, you're now giving me yet more homework to do. But <laughs> you know, what was it like when his diocese elected him, and and in the Episcopal Church, every bishop is elected mm-hmm. by the people of the diocese. It's not appointed from on high to elect this guy, presuming they didn't know his nickname was Mad Jack. <laughs> Yeah, I'm then, assuming that came later. <laughs> yeah, and then suddenly here's this guy saying, you know, I'm, I'm the bishop. That means that I get to do this, that, and the other thing, and you don't. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like, you're mad! You're, you're mad, Jack! Right, <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> no, man, that just makes me think of uh, uh, Chevy Chase on, on SNL. I'm Chevy Chase, and you're not. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and the other interesting thing, just a little s- snippet of history, is in that you notice in his biography, he still had to to lead a parish while he was bishop. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That that shows that in that diocese, they didn't think 
the office of bishop, the job of bishop, was all that hard or demanding or highfalutin. Yeah, which probably uh, which probably led to some of these uh, the, these uh, descriptors about him, right? Yeah. If he has a very high pew, uh, high view of his station, then he probably was like, I, I really should not be the rector of any of this. Uh, uh, I, I should be focused on other things. So it kind of it kind of shows you where then it became, uh, especially as maybe a, the years grew on uh, and he got closer to the end of his life. Um, one might even understand a sense of brusque, blunt frustration uh, um, uh, about not yeah. doing everything that he felt he should be doing maybe as, as bishop. So you can kind of start to see how maybe uh, um, that colors the, the story slightly differently. Um, uh, and, and whereas initially the thought is like, oh, what a pompous man. <laughs> and, well, and the other interesting thing about this biography is there's, there's really no indication as to why, in my mind, as to why he's in this list of people who should be remembered. Beyond yeah, other, entertainment value. <laughs> other than being the first bishop of North Carolina, that's his claim yeah. to fame, it, it, it appears. Uh, so, yeah, uh, it, it's kind of it's interesting. Um, yeah. I mean, but, and, uh, and I certainly have the, the theological view that every Christian is worth being remembered. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but just knowing the, the the bureaucracy and the institutional life that goes behind getting into one of these lists, I'm just wondering why he was there. Uh, but first, uh, and that the, probably is it, first bishop. First bishop, uh, that, and there's probably descendants of descendants that are still scared of him. <laughs> <laughs> Better put in John Stark Ravenscroft or... You know, we'll be haunted or something. I don't right. know. <laughs> the still scared. will start moving. I'm still scared he'll come around the corner and yell at me. Um, <laughs> but uh, so so anyways, yeah, that's a uh, look. Look for the. Well, and that's the other thing. His nickname is Mad Jack and his last name is practically a nickname. So why they, yeah. Why'd they play with Jack instead of Ravensclaw? I, I, I don't know. <laughs> Jack, okay, his, that's I'm... not even his name. Jack's not even, his name's John. Why not Mad John? <laughs> well, I think I have used up all my tangents for the morning. <laughs> you well, better we will, get me back on track. We, we will move away from John, Mad Jack, Starks, Ravenscroft, uh, and uh, move on to our first reading of, of the week. Uh, and that is Acts chapter 4, verse 5 through 12. The next day, their rulers, elders, and scribes assembled in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and all who were of the high priestly family. When they had made the prisoners stand in their midst, they inquired, By what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we are questioned today because of a good deed done to someone who is sick and are asked how this man has been healed, Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that this man is standing before you in good health by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders. It has become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no no other name under heaven given among mortals by which we must be saved. Um... 
so initially I was thinking that I would have a question as to the backstory here, but, uh, but Peter's response kind of fills that in. <laughs> uh, so, um, so I, I, the implication being that they, they're, so they're kind of traveling in a group, right? And someone or several of them uh, healed someone and that got them in trouble. Am I reading this correctly? Yeah. Okay. And they were probably put in prison and then the next day brought before the, 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 the deciders uh, as it were of the, of the, of the group. And um, they want to know, was this another case of um, um, practicing on a, on a Sabbath or anything like that, or just simple, like, Hey, this guy's healed. Who are you? And why did you do this? Um, not so much that, but it, what they're, what Luke says in the pre, in the verses just before this is that this group of leaders were upset that they were teaching in the temple in Jerusalem and drawing significant crowds doing so. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, the, the rest of it, yeah, is just sort of, um, yeah, we can get him in trouble for this, so haul him in. Right, 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 right. I don't like you. Let me find by, yeah. by what reason I can exercise this dis- dislike. Um, um, and then, so Peter uh, um, does kind of this, uh, th- this, this fun little tap dance where he acknowledges their position uh, of, of authority. Rulers of the people and elders. Uh, that doesn't, he doesn't throw the word like so-called, you know, <laughs> anywhere, anywhere in there. Um, and then, uh, you know, says that, but he, he kind of, uh, then lays the blame for Christ's death right on their, right at, at their feet. Then, you know, we did it. If you, if you must ask, <laughs> we did it in the name of Christ Jesus, by the way, whom you murdered, right. <laughs> got, whom you got killed. Just in case you were forgetting, just a lot, just a Look short what while ago. we can ago. still do. Yeah, I mean that—that's part of it. Is that the is that Peter and John, well, especially Peter, healed a man um, on the steps of the temple as they were going in to teach, mm-hmm. and so it's you know it's literally in the backyard of this list of um, clergy, so to speak, that were that headlined this story, and. So it is that ultimate in your face. Have you thought all that was going to stop because you crucified that guy? No, it's just getting worse. Right. You know, more people can do it now. Or better. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, depending on your point of view. Um, so I'm a little, I'm a little, um, I'm trying to wrap my head around uh, verse 11 here. Just because initially, in verse 11 it reads, this Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders. It has become the cornerstone is it's in sub quotes here um the stone that was rejected by you the builders it has become the cornerstone is that um that's reference referencing is that isaiah i'm have to admit i'm forgetting whether I, i'm thinking it's from a psalm but oh, okay it, it could be isaiah okay um but the long story short is used in this context it would imply that the rulers of the people and the elders are the builders. Um, but yeah. based in the story's con- context, one would 
really think of Peter and the apostles as the builders. If he, if Jesus is the cornerstone, it's what they're building on. So I'm kind of like trying to figure out, um, does that mean that the builders themselves have also been replaced in this metaphor or, you know? No, it's, it's the, yeah, this is, this is set thoroughly in the context of the, what we now call salvation history that goes mm-hmm. back to the very beginning of all creation. So, you know, the, the, the builders had their role they did well but then they took it too far by being part of the persecution of jesus Hmm. and so it's it it's one of those helpful places that shows us the ambiguity of human behavior and how seldom things are black and white that Hmm. the the um, folks that are named at the beginning of this passage are the high priest the former high priest um the the future high priest and then a guy we don't know alexander we don't know who that was um and so it's peter specifically talking to in a sense the archbishops and say and by using this verse he's talking about first of all yeah, you you know you do have your role. You do have holy things that God needs you to do, but persecuting Christians and most of all being part of the execution of Jesus—that's not what you're supposed to do. Hmm. And you know, we as as contemporary people tend to then say, okay, if you did that, everything else you did is evil. Hmm. When in right. fact. They actually, for each of their careers, did did some very good things in order to keep faithful worship happening among the the people of Israel. That and, and again, the the Romans are pressing down on all of these everyone involved here. So, in a way, this is Peter ministering to the rulers and elders themselves. Yeah. This is him saying, this is him trying to spurn them into action, saying, you know, he's the cornerstone. You need to, you need to get the work. You got, you have building to do. Let's go. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, he certainly um, is not trying to tell them there's no hope for you. Get out of the way. Right. And one of the things we know, and Luke would know as he wrote this, is is that they were about the um, high priests would soon be all wiped out by the Romans. Hmm. As when the Romans tore down the temple and killed everyone who stood. Um, so their time is coming in terms of their persecution and death. And so all the more important to get their spiritual lives in order. Hmm. Interesting to think about that writing a story writing down an occurrence after those events have taken place, but uh, documenting the occurrence that, you know, prior to, um, because yeah, that, that information isn't, it's not like Luke as the author kind of does, he doesn't really weave that tidbit of information in with the story as presented, does he? Right. 
He he just like that's just something that he knows as a, as the author and probably the audience knows when they read it of like oh yeah poor Annis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we remember seeing his head on a pike. Right, I forgot about that guy. Uh, you know, uh, and and that would really color uh, your 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 the way you're internalizing the story mm-hmm. uh, as a result. And they uh, and they did let these guys go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they 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 didn't get crucified by them right then, um, or by the Romans right then. Instead, Peter and John might have even outlived them. Right, right, huh? So I, I mean, not not that there's necessarily a a, a written down redemption arc for them, but uh, there might be an implied one for the original audience mm-hmm. that they would have understood of like, oh yeah, then they they did go on to do you know good things and there for a while before tragedy struck yeah hmm. very interesting anything else about uh, this fairly short excerpt one interesting thing that, that, that struck me as i was getting ready for today was um the oh one other thing with a with 11 that that we were talking about it is that there's a there's a certain amount of evidence that that was that the the stone that was rejected by you the builders has become the cornerstone was a slogan for the new christians hmm so peter's also referencing the the fruits of the evangelism that they've been doing interesting the other thing is that the closing verse for today Hmm. um there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among mortals by which we must be saved. And it's interesting that how to translate this, that that must, which a lot of people have played with for centuries, translating into English, um, is rather than, it could be translated that, you must be saved by Jesus. It could be translated, the only one necessary for salvation is Jesus. Hmm. Which is two different, which has a different connotation. Right. Yeah, that, that does. And particularly when you're in the context of a Roman Empire that is increasingly declaring the current Caesar as a god who must be obeyed, that's. You know, that's the name that anyone in the Roman Empire is supposed to have on the tip of their tongue is the name of the current Caesar. And here it is saying, no, Jesus is the only name you need to know. Hmm. Hmm. So it's not, I don't think this is a effort to exclude other world religions from salvation. I think it's instead, one, yet again in the New Testament, an effort to encourage Christians facing Roman persecution that the Christian is right to only name Jesus as the one who needs to be in charge of their life Hmm. because saved also can be translated as protected or taken care of Um, yeah it's very much like the English everyday version of saved 
It's mm-hmm. not necessary. It's not, in fact, at all a theological term at that time. Interesting. It quickly becomes that. It, it, right, right, right. But it's you know, if you're looking for protection and safety, don't take the easy path of giving your allegiance to, to Caesar in the midst of the Roman soldiers pointing a spear at you. Instead, rely on the protection of Christ. Hmm. Fascinating. Yeah. Fascinating how that changes over time, too. Uh, uh, what, it, what a term then takes on a whole new life. Um, well, let's move on to yeah. the uh, reading from the first book of John, chapter 3, uh, verses 16 through 24. We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for one another. How does God's love abide in anyone who has the world's goods and sees a brother or sister in need and yet refuses help? Little children, let us love not in word or speech, but in truth and action. And by this, we will know that we are from the truth and will reassure our hearts before him. Whenever our hearts condemn us, for God is greater than our hearts, and he knows everything. Beloved, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have boldness before God, and we receive from him whatever we ask, because we obey his commandments and do what pleases him. And this is his commandment, that we should believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he has commanded us. All who obey his commandments abide in him, and he abides in them. And by this we know that he abides in us, by the Spirit that he has given us. Um, there's a couple of very interesting um, ideas that are conveyed in this uh, the first yeah. one though that comes to mind here is is right there near the top uh, how does the love God's love abide in anyone who has the world's goods and sees a brother or sister in need and yet refuses help um, so the 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 idea uh, that is is kind of presented prior in the verse prior to that we ought to lay down our lives for one another you, you kind of upon first reading you kind of expect the the phrase to 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 go the route of uh he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for him but that's not how that, right how that goes um it's for for one another because he didn't he did it for all of us. So you're not really, you're not, you're passing along um, uh, rather than reciprocating. Right. Which is an interesting difference as a group of people. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's, and it's, I think emotionally harder hmm. because for sure, you know, laying down our life for Christ. Well, yeah, Christ certainly deserves that. Yeah, mm-hmm. he hasn't done anything wrong. Whereas to lay down our lives for one another, it's like, well, wait, I know what that dude does. I know what she's like. What they aren't worthy of my life. Mm-hmm. And this thing, uh, yeah, 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 they are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, um, let me see. Um, yeah, and and then verse eighteen says like, and they'll just say so do so yeah um uh 
but I, I find it interesting the, the the use of the word condemn in some of the following uh, um, verses, and I'm curious as to um, your interpretation of what that means because condemn uh, condemnation is it has a certain um, definition in our minds, right? Um, especially when you're yeah. doing things through a religious nature. Uh, condemnation uh, has all sorts of very horrific side effects. Um, um, so uh, what word is, if, if there's a, a definition as to what word is being used here as to that, that kind of separates the term used in the writing to our modern understanding, I'd be interested in that. And then just generally like, you know, it, it why, why the use of this word rather than um, some sort of, other word that that conveys um um like i'm assuming they're talking about like the needling in the back of our of our head uh, that our hearts uh should are mm-hmm. kind of spurning us towards a, a a better decision or or a decision of love for each other rather than uh, a decision of selfishness yeah in in the letters of john the the heart is definitely depicted as the seat of the conscience which mm-hmm. is very Jewish. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the condemn, it's, it's one of these things that, one of these words in English that the translators of the King James Bible chose to use, and it's been used in almost every English translation since. It's like, eh, you know, that, they, we can't go against that because that's such a famous <laughs> use of it. Mm-hmm. But, the it it could be um it could be simply blame mm-hmm. or to note against is a literal translation hmm. so it it doesn't necessarily have to have the hell and f- and hellfire connotation that i think condemn has now yeah, because especially, um, I mean, we think about the uh, famous, um, one of the more famous uses of it in the Bible uh, for God so loved the world that he gave his only uh, begotten son so that he, not that the world would be, he would condemn the world, but that the world would be saved through him, that mm-hmm. that reference, because uh, that, that definitely does have that fire and brimstone feel. He didn't come to earth to to judge everyone and find them lacking and, you know, end their existence. Uh, So it's kind of interesting that the the use of the word uh, here uh, is, is a little bit, you know, more tame than that, that use. Um, And seems to be like that, that our heart, our hearts, the the center of our souls make us uncomfortable. uh, And and there's like more of a sense of discomfort in the use uh, of, the word here so it's kind of struck by that um yeah in this instance if we were doing a a meaning type of translation rather than a word for word translation it the modern term may be guilt Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. if 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 we're feeling guilty about it then we're probably doing wrong right yep um I'm in in the next verse though also has um, what I would describe as some potentially troubling language, 
in that uh, verse 22, it says, and we receive from him whatever we ask, <laughs> um, which is, which is, an, uh, um, there is still a modern mentality that that's, that's the, that that's true that whatever we ask for we can get right uh, you just have to be faithful enough and blameless enough yeah the the divine god vending has, machine right that god has no choice but to say like well you are perfect so here you go <laughs> oh you're a friend of christ here you go <laughs> that's Why my son you say what so? do you need <laughs> what do you need <laughs> yeah tell and, me and it shall be of, yours of course you did what what so many of us do which is leave left off the second half of the verse um that the 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 reason we know what to ask is because we obey god's commandments and do what pleases god so there's the the verses in scripture that talk about you you'll receive that for which you ask always have within them the context of if you're totally set upon god's way you know suddenly riches won't matter anymore and Mm. having Mm -hmm. the best in life physically will be meaningless and instead what you'll find what you want to ask for is enough love to share with the rest of the world right right so if so if you if our obeyance of commandments and and our our uh, pleasing nature to to God, we will have asked for the right things. Yeah. and those things we will get. Um, uh, and then the, the other, the, the last thing that I would point out is this has uh, um, what I like to call uh, the my uh, the dude abides. Uh, <laughs> yeah, verse, which is always has always been one of my favorites. Uh, not that uh, I should ever equate reading of the Bible to uh, the movie The Big Lebowski, but you know what? Hey. Uh, I, I have, so <laughs> <laughs> too late. Um, <laughs> uh, but, uh, but, but I very much like the, the, all the, the, the phrase, all who obey his commandments abide in him and he abides in them. And by this, we know that he abides in us by the spirit that he has given us. Uh, the dude abides. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And again, if <laughs> dude with a capital D, <laughs> Dude with the capital D, exactly. Capital D, exactly. If God is abiding in us, then yeah, we're going to seek out, ask for, pray about the things that are on God's mind rather than our own yep. selfish desires. Mm-hmm. Yep. And the other thing to keep in mind is that this is the community that is part of the formation of John's Gospel, which is very much uh, focused on having a mystical experience of God's presence in one's life and in the community's Mm -hmm. life. Mm -hmm. And so in some ways, this letter is a bit of a correction to that because it does say you have to worry about your brother and sister's physical needs. Right. It's not just about sitting in the lotus position and having the dude abiding. Yeah, having a transcendent experience and that that is the ultimate goal. Uh, Yeah, no, that makes makes some sense. And that would be, yeah, that... Sometimes those two mindsets don't necessarily work in conjunction with each other. And yeah, that's a hard, yeah, we, we see that's the argument bridge. in James and other yeah. places within the Bible, let alone in modern times. Yeah, yeah, that's a. It, sometimes that can be a tough bridge to to combine. Yeah. Uh, anything else about the reading here in First John? Uh, I'll just say balance. 
that it's crucial to have the balance between um, transcendental experiences of God and the world around us and helping it out. Very good. Well, let's move on to the Gospel of John yeah. then, real quick. Uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 10, verses 11 through 18. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, who is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and runs away. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. The hired hand runs away because a hired hand does not care for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me just as the father knows me and i know the father and i lay down my life for the sheep i have other sheep that do not belong to this fold i must bring them also and they will listen to my voice so there will be one flock one shepherd for this reason the father loves me because i lay down my life in order to take it up again no one takes it from me but i lay it down of my own accord i have power to lay it down and i have power to take it up again I received. I have received this command from my father. Um, this is an interesting um, analogy, uh, and one that definitely. I, I don't know if the 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 uh, shepherd image of uh, Christ is primarily born out of this description here, uh, because there's many references to the shepherd. It, it seems as though um, through the gospel writings that that might have been a favorite um analogy of, of well within Jesus john throughout his it's, time. it's a favorite analogy is it not in many of the other it's not writers? nearly as strong no okay very interesting um so so i don't know if this is like kind of like the the the, the main basis if you will especially on a concept that is repeated um uh, in 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 many new testament later new testament writings as well many of the other uh letters um use it uh, as well so um um but it's it, it's interesting to me that this this uh image that gets created in this verse and how powerful it it it, it kind of has become uh and and almost immediately so as i as indicated if it's written in you know preceding letters uh of Paul right. or, or, or other, other, uh, disciples or, or, um, uh, followers, it, it clearly stuck with a lot of people. Um, well, and it, it was, it's very appealing to a Jewish audience because Moses was described as a good shepherd and mm -hmm. David was described as a good shepherd. The, um, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a very strong Hebrew scriptures image that John really is the um, gospel writer who emphasizes it the most. Hmm. And, and to be clear, um, this description is, I mean, it, it, the, the analogy uses uh, uh, a difference between the hired hand and the good shepherd, right? Yeah. The good shepherd, as described here, is essentially not any one in, ex in in actual existence on the earth. Um, even the shepherd's owner or the sheep's owner <clears throat> probably would not lay down their life for a single sheep. 
Right. You, you know what I mean? Like that. That'd be bad uh, economic sense. <laughs> it would be. It would be bad economic sense uh, to you know orphan your children or, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, and and to 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 um, put one uh, at risk for uh, oneself at risk for a single sheep, and and quite frankly, the other sheep at at risk for right. a single sheep. Um, yeah, is he Shep setting up a, a buffet for all the other wolves? Exactly. Um, so, uh, in in a way, that's kind of the the to me the supernatural image of this is like this is this is not how any shepherd would behave, right? Regardless of how good they are, uh, and and which is what creates such an extraordinary um, quality to um, to Jesus uh, and. Uh, I wanted to explore that just a, just a little bit with you and just to see like how do you how do you think this was do you think that's how this was uh, was taken by uh, not only the readers of this gospel initially but also you know um, one presumes that perhaps this was uh, an actual sermon style um, um, discussion that Christ himself gave to a group of people. This is more a, a documented ex- experience. How, how do you think, you know, would this have blown their minds or would this have, have, uh, have been like a, like, Oh, you know, I every once in a while I'll risk my, you I, know. <laughs> I don't know if it would blow their minds. Well, it all depends how long they've been listening to Jesus mm-hmm. because he used so much humor and so much exaggeration as part of his teaching that if they were used to being in that mindset, it would have been, okay, here's another one of his exaggerations where the point will be found. Mm-hmm. That's It's not a go and do likewise. It's not a analogy. It's instead a parable um, with that exaggeration. Mm-hmm. So I think I think the first listeners would have said, yeah, this, this, this isn't about farming techniques. Right. right, right. Wait a minute. Is Jesus going to be so stupid that he's going to allow himself to be killed? He could do so much more if he stayed alive. Right. I think that's what it, I think that's the theology that it's, we're supposed to be led to Mm -hmm. is because it is so shocking that, a shepherd would die for one sheep and let the rest of the flock be eaten by all the wolves. It's like, okay, then that's where the point is. Cause that's the shocking part. And sure enough, Jesus's crucifixion was shocking for so many of the people right. who are already following him. Yeah. Um, and, and he also, um, kind of implies in, in the story for, for the reason the father loves me because I lay down my life in order to take it up again. Um, uh, you know, without knowing the rest of the story, if I were hearing this pre crucifixion, there's some concepts in here. I'd be like, wait, what? what are you... <laughs> if you lay down your life, so you're good, you're the good shepherd. You're going to die to save a sheep. And then you're going to live again. I don't, I don't understand this. What are you talking about? Like once it's done, it's done. Um, so there, there, there's like a lot of concepts I think that would, you know, these are the kind of, it'll make sense later. Yeah. And <laughs> kind of statements as with any, pretty much any, um, scripture, it's important to see who the audience is 
And mm -hmm. this is to the Jesus is talking to people who who are in opposition to him. This is not mm. for the apostles or the disciples. Interesting. Okay. And so that's one reason Jesus often spoke to those folks in parables and gave them something to chew on with without dumbing it down. Mm. Interesting. Um the other the other uh, concept that he sneaks in here, uh, just in case you know the people, the audience is going, oh, we're that flock, we're that 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 sheep, we're we're very special this way. He still throws in that that reference of like, I have other sheep too. Yeah, <laughs> I have I have, I have uh, other groups of people, and I'm going to bring them into into this fold. Um, I have a feeling that uh, that would have pushed analogy, some buttons. <laughs> yeah, that would have pushed some buttons. And and would not have necessarily been as uh, uh, thought provoking in the same way. In that, like, hmm, I wonder what that means. I have a feeling that would have been like, oh, oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> you say what now? <laughs> well, and it still is. It still is. Yeah. Okay, there's there's probably few uh, words of Jesus less quoted than this one. <laughs> <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> Because we all like one to flock, think we're on the shepherd. inside. I mean, uh, yeah. Even good progressive Episcopalians, at some level or at some weak point, will say, "Well, yeah, we we we're on the inside here, and yeah, we'll invite others in." Um, rather than say, "Oh, Jesus is going around us and already has those folks right. safe and sound." Right. Why did we ever wait? Right. Yeah. Um, uh, which, which in a way kind of, uh, um, um, in, in a way challenges a lot of uh, evangelistic thinking, right? Yeah. Like, oh no, I need to, I need to bring you into the fold. Right. Uh, I need to do the, this, this work. And, and this is Jesus saying like, no, 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 they're already my sheep. Yeah. <laughs> so all you have to do is acknowledge that. And, and, uh, um, recognize that you're already part of one flock one shepherd mm -hmm. um so that that's interesting and and the other thing that i would i think i would point out uh that struck me about this uh reading is this also kind of uh uh vibes with the dude abides um, <laughs> yes <laughs> that john reading. that john perspective yeah yeah exactly so uh I, I like it the the dude further abides um <laughs> with a capital d capital d um, <laughs> um anything else about um this gospel reading though the other thing to see is that in this gospel unlike this gospel more than the others is the is the best way to put it jesus is quite clear that he is in charge of dying that yeah. he is going to choose it he is going to walk that and if you read the you know read through till his through his crucifixion jesus in the gospel of john really doesn't suffer much in, but instead is fully in control mm -hmm. and it's like yep now i gotta do this now i gotta do that it's been fulfilled see you later right <laughs> yeah and, and, and yeah I, so it, it very much sets the tone for the passion narrative that john has right that that is interesting uh 
And, and yeah, that that is a uh, tonally very interesting uh, uh, from some of the other gospels. Yeah. That that um, it really is more a matter of. Um, I mean, in all the gospels, Jesus knows it's coming. It's not a shock to one to level him. or another. Yeah, and certainly by uh, the time he's arrested, he knows. Yeah, right. Um, but uh, the in John more than others, it's like yeah, it's going to be tough. But this is you know I'm yeah like you said I'm in full control here. Yeah, and this is yeah I, it, this is in this the, is going to happen because I'm going to let it. Yeah, in the Gospel of John, there's no gardening of Gethsemane scene of if this cup can pass away. It's instead, yep, this is what's got to happen. Right. Let's get to it. Uh, is there also a why have you forsaken me uh, cry no. at, at the crucifixion? Nope. So, yeah, uh, through and through, John takes that tonality all yeah. the way through then. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. It, you, I'm sure you're, uh, people have written whole papers on the difference, uh, the differences there. Entire uh, books. And, <laughs> yes. Entire, <laughs> yes. Entire life's works. Which are uh, fascinating. I recommend highly for the most part. Right, right. So yeah, that so that embodies our, our podcast uh, as a whole. Like just giving you more reading assignments. Yes. Uh, <laughs> reading the lectionary readings is not enough. You must now read uh, a little bit more about John Stark Ravenscroft and uh, these 20... Um, uh, uh, full dissertations about <laughs> the differences of the gospel writings uh, and God's and Christ's control over the cru- crucifixion uh, as a result. So uh, we'll talk to you in three months when you're <laughs> done reading all that. <laughs> um, anything else about this uh, before? No, I wrap that up? that better do it for the day. <laughs> <laughs> well very good with this uh with that we'll conclude uh this year podcast for april 25th 2021 the fourth sunday of easter uh i didn't say it at the top of the uh podcast but uh, as always please visit our website to see uh, what else going on uh with the church uh, we are still meeting in person and online uh, we're 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 broadcasting simultaneously the 10 o'clock a.m service on sunday on our youtube channel hfec videos our website is holyfamilyfishers.org tons of things going on anything you want to point out specific uh, or is there just too much too there much is too too, too much <laughs> so uh we encourage no, you to find... there's just right just right 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 <laughs> Yeah, uh, no, that's right. That's what I meant to say. Uh, the, the right amount of too much for us to cover in one bod- <laughs> pro- podcast. Um, so, uh, but uh, feel free to reach out to us. And if you have any uh, thing you want to email us, e- email us at shortcut at hfec.org. And until next week, I'm Ben. And I'm Bruce. And we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye.